hello, and welcome again to the Airport Minute. Uh, we are now in Minute 10 of the greatest disaster film ever made, the granddaddy of them all, Airport, from 1970. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv, and thank you for spending and hanging in there 10 days with us. And I am this, this week's guest. My name is Brian Fees. I'm a writer and cartoonist, and I'm happy to be here. Brian, thanks for being with us this week. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we have a, a great minute coming up on, on this minute. I think there's so many great characters, so many wonderful and horrifying things happening. Uh, we'll have a lot to chat about for, for finishing up the week. Um, this is uh, an interesting situation that we've been in. Uh, there is a plane uh, broke down on the side of the major runway of Lincoln International Airport. Uh, Flight 45 is blocking runway 29er. Uh, the only man that apparently could fix it was uh, the manager, the general manager of uh, Lincoln International, Mr. Mel Bakersfield, played by Burt Lancaster. He's out there with his, she's not a girlfriend, she's just a work friend, Tanya Livingston, as they deal with the passengers and the problems of digging a 707 out of the snow. So who better to fix the problems of having uh, snow problems but uh, to ask the snow desk at uh, Lincoln International to call the only true professional who works at Lincoln, Mr. Joe Petroni. But I, I got I to gotta stop you here because I noticed when I watched this that the snow desk called Petroni without Mel telling him to. It, <laughs> the snow desk jumped the gun. The snow desk knew he was going to be calling Petroni no matter what Mel said. He did it on his own. So Yeah, I was I was thinking that, you know, as a couple of minutes back when Mel was talking to uh, Danny at the snow desk, or he, he, he never actually called the snow desk at all. No. I mean... Maybe Doug called him from the tower. It's like, oh, I know how this is going to go down. We better get, get Joe Petroni, Petroni on the line. Yeah, right. again, yeah. he's a man. Yes. Well, they they don't call them emergencies anymore. They <laughs> they call him Petroni. But we'll talk about that at another time. Mel gets back to the Melmobile. For some reason, there was a guy standing in his car, keeping the seat warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you drop that shovel. Right. Hold on to my microphone. Yeah. So he. Uh, he gets back, picks up the microphone, and talks to Danny, who's back at the snow desk. And Danny at the snow desk has the most pitiful office in the known world. He is behind two file cabinets in one of those World War II metal uh, office desks that's rammed as close to you can get to the, to the corner of the room as you can. I can't even figure out, if you watch the movie, uh, I can't even figure out how he gets behind the desk because the... File cabinet. It's one of those big four-drawer metal file cabinets. Look, it's a job. It's a paying yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> he just has to, you know, climb over the top every every day and sit down at the snow desk. He's got, and if you look at the if you look at the wall behind him, he's got pictures of snow. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he he just loves snow. Yeah, <laughs> he's the right man in the right job. I mean, boy, I get to be snow desk. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, sometime in July. I've watched well, Frosty the Snowman four hundred times. This is my dream job. He's, you know, July. He's probably sitting there going, "I wish it would snow. I wish it would." <laughs> you know, no, no wife and kids. I think you know they they left him after the obsession. Yeah, but and he's got the airport's still paying him eighty thousand a year to sit there yeah. in July. And, and what eighteen seventy dollars too? Yeah. <laughs> what, what is he keeping in two file cabinets? Full, you know, like is it like snow? Uh, snow. It's no <laughs> samples in there. Yeah, okay. John. D John Deere catalog. Oh, look at this one! Wow, you can—it's seventy inches wide. <gasps> yeah, and and he's got file folders. Like, what is he? What is he filing? Who do you think orders the shovels for the airport? <laughs> yeah, he's the. You know, this is an invoice for thirty shovels, and 
Oh, it's just, it's amazing. But no, no family pictures, no nothing. You know, it's just, they always say, follow your bliss. Yeah. <laughs> he's, right. he's, he's still trying to hunt down that guidance counselor saying, you know what you should do? <laughs> you should shovel snow. The word snow. And I was wondering in the summertime, is it the grass desk? Is it the lawn desk or the driveway desk? Tumbleweed, tumbleweeds. Tumbleweed, yes. He's, you know, but that's, that's his job. He's got, uh, he's got that to do. And apparently what he does, he doesn't snub, shovel snow because he's not, well, he, he has a giant radio that he can push the buttons to talk to He people. did, but now he's a desk jockey. Yeah. Ever since, you know, that bad one back in 63. Yeah. And his job is he's, uh, Mel's operator. So he got Joe on the phone and he patches through. So we get another, uh, split screen spectacular with, uh, Mel on the left and uh, Joe on the right, and un- underneath Joe is a woman in a muumu. So yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? This means that uh, George Kennedy took the cigar out of his mouth long <laughs> enough to make out with this woman. Imagine that. Ah, uh, the yes. magnificent George Kennedy. Yeah. Oh my God. Do yeah. we? Do we love him? Uh, uh. I think the testosterone of this podcast just increased 200% just by mentioning him. He is am- I, I can smell tobacco right now, and I don't smoke. I, I mean, it, it's just amazing how you can just feel this guy right in the room. You yes, know, he's, he's feeling up his wife. He's, oh, please. He's, uh, he's dressed for the occasion. He's yep. wearing his, uh, he's wearing his uh, circle zipper, the, the zipper with a hoop in it, yep. and what, what looks like Sears tough skin jeans. They're... Uh, <laughs> Well, like, imagine the, the, the instruction to Edith Head. We need George to look sexy in this scene. You understand right. that? Sexy. We'll put a zipper up the middle there. <laughs> right, exactly. Get him in some orange orange uh, tough skins, and this will be great. And, and just throw a moo-moo on Marie. Here's what so, I like about this scene from storytelling, though, is if storytelling perspective, is it sets up a real contrast to the scene with Mel and his wife, Cindy, just two minutes ago. Because yeah. you know, Petroni and Marie, they can't keep their hands off each other. I mean, my God, they got five kids. Obviously, five. they're just they're just madly in passionate love with each other. Yeah, uh, and they can't keep their hands off each other. And and the colors of their clothing and their home—they're all warm earth tones in contrast to that icy oh, ice blue princess, of yeah. Mel's wife, who's just the the ice queen back at the twin bed homestead. Um, and, and unlike Mel's wife, Cindy. Marie understands that George has got to get up and go save the airport. She she gives him a little, oh, golly, I wish you didn't have to do it. But she smiles and gives him a little, you know, chuck under the chin and says, you go get him, fella. And <laughs> she, she's a supportive wife. Yeah, yeah, she's she is, like you said, the antithesis of Cindy. And, uh, it, you know, they do it with the lights on, apparently. It's quite a, I mean, they're very much very caring about each other. And the five kids... I keep wondering, what did they name the five kids? Do you think there was a there, – there's got to have been a Joe Jr. <laughs> They're all named George. Just yeah. Like Foreman. <laughs> yes. Well, or Tony, every Petroni is a great woman. Yeah. To, well, Tony Petroni maybe or, uh, or Joni Petroni. I don't know. It could be a – Yeah, Joe, but, Joe Jr. And Joe, uh, yeah, Joanne maybe. I don't know. Vito. Yeah. There's got to be a Vito. <laughs> Vito. Vito Petroni. Vito Petroni. You know what I'm Vito saying? Vito Petroni. <laughs> Poor Marie, she couldn't. They're at his sisters or her sister. He's got five. Oh, at his mother's house. He's they're, they're at his mom's house. Mama Petroni go. filling him up with linguine. Do you notice how many gadgets there are in this scene? Everybody's got a phone. Uh, Lancaster at one point had a uh, like a little microphone, and then he switches to a regular handheld phone inside his car. Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to talk about the car phone because that the what what sorcery is this? A car phone <laughs> in 1970, you know. And, and but at the time, I think 
a car phone would have signaled to the audience that that Mel is a very important person because nobody had car phones, and and I think that's a point a modern viewer wouldn't get. Uh, you know, we were talking uh, earlier about James Bond in in one of the previous minutes, and I remember showing Goldfinger to my daughters, and they 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 it made no impression on them whatsoever that James Bond had a had a car phone device. and a GPS basically. Yeah. Yeah, because doesn't everybody, you know, that made no impression on them whatsoever. So to see to see Mel with a car with a with the curly, you know, the curly uh, wire going from the headset to the dashboard um, must have been very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That and between that and all the uh, all the gadgets that he had back at his office. I mean, he had the red and white courtesy phones in his office and he also had a radio there that he could listen in on any conversation going on on the, on the airport. So yeah, it was definitely a signaling thing that is missing nowadays. And, you know, we as old people might not notice all these things, but it'd be interesting to find out how this plays on, on well, the, the younger the, audience. The other staying with that theme, the, the other thing that we should have pointed out uh, when the, the family was clustered around the dinner table praying, nobody, nobody was on their cell phone or, or, <laughs> or, or iPad or anything, you know, those yeah, they did. those things were science fiction back then. Yeah, the TV wasn't on, and uh, it, yeah, Hash, well, it would, have been, it would have been a gigantic TV on a big mahogany <laughs> base. <laughs> Hashtag Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, the Petroni house is very interesting. Like you were saying, Brian, the colors are very vibrant. They also seem to have a large amount of. Now I was trying to figure out they had a large amount of plastic ferns and flowers. <laughs> But another thing that the audience—I think those were real. Well, another thing that the audience might not realize, you know, well, younger, uh, younger audiences might not realize that artificial flowers were okay back then. You could decorate your house with, you know, linen flowers, and that was a that was an okay thing. Not in my house. I just had dessert. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, Bert is is talking mightily about getting Joe in. Please, you've got to you've got to see this thing and and get in. It's it's amazing that Joe would do that. I mean, Joe does. Joe works with the same amount of uh, uh, due diligence that uh, that Mel does, but he's doing it for a different reason. He's doing it as a favor. Mm. Well, who Good wants point. to stay home with the wife during a blizzard? <laughs> with the kids oh. going. Depends how many more kids, kids you want, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I can't afford another one. Give me a cigar. <laughs> Joe, while he's talking to him, pondering all this, he's already figured out, you know, we've got to build that 10-degree incline in front of the wheels. And I was just wondering how many second shift or third shift snow shovelers would you have to pull out a protractor and say, you see, like this, like this. But maybe they're all highly trained engineers who work at at Lincoln Airport. Just from the way Joe talks about it and the confidence he does, you know that they finally got the right guy on on the job. Although, what happens with uh, Mike? You know, does Mike does that come up at his performance review next? Well, you know, we had to call Joe four times. Had to call Joe. That's right. <laughs> to shovel <Good> cop. snow. <laughs> but, but but it was ten degrees, boss. <laughs> I can't I can't know that. It's ten degrees. Yeah. And Danny, where were you on the scene? Where? Well, <laughs> I had the protractor, boss. <laughs> I was keeping Mel's car warm. <laughs> <laughs> Holding the microphone in Mel's car. No, uh, <laughs> does. I've been practicing. Ever since August, lawn dust. I mean, snow dust. So they've got the right guy on the job, and uh, well, hopefully before the movie's out, he's only got a hundred and is that right? He's only got a hundred twenty-seven minutes to go. So he better, yeah, he better get to it. But uh, yeah, he, they seem to be all off to the good start with uh, with problem solving. Of course, they still have a stuck seven oh seven, and we don't know how 
Mel's marriage is going to hold together for him uh, Oof. staying late. Oof, doesn't look good. No, but, but my money's on George Kennedy. He's going to pull this out. He'll be George is going to do all right. Yeah, he'll be he'll be home in time for uh for Marie. All right, Mel, exactly. Mel can do better. <laughs> Honey, do you like morning sex? <laughs> Please. Uh, there's a snowstorm going on. This is a G-rated movie. So, uh, <laughs> well, those five kids had to come from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gosh, the stork's been busy. <laughs> he was stuck out on two-niner. Um, <laughs> wow. But I told you 10 degrees, honey. 10 degrees. <laughs> 10 degrees. <right? laughs> You're fired. You're out of here now. Grab a shovel. <laughs> uh, get me a coffee. Uh, and a sandwich. Wow. Damn it. But lots more uh, snow shoveling to come in the following week. So please, thank thanks for uh, for staying with us this entire week. And Brian, thank you for uh, some fascinating commentary. Hopefully, before yeah, the nice to meet you, Brian. Oh, it was terrific. I look forward to uh, to pod uh, listening to the rest of the movie. Well, we we will be here, and hopefully, we can have you on at a, at a later minute when uh, things are uh, even more colorful and dangerous. In the meantime, we'll uh, we'll be talking with another week of uh, snow shoveling and and more setups uh, to come. And cigar chomping. And cigar chomping. Extreme cigar chomping. We'll be back next week. Please join us Monday for Minute 11 of the Airport Minute. In the meantime, have a good weekend and good day. Bye-bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling. Thank <laughs> you.